Welcome back to The Siding Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. This week was round 13 of the MotoGP Championship. There's just been so many races recently, I can't keep up. And for the fact that Anik and I were at the circuit, so we're a little bit sleep deprived recording this episode, but we thought we'd go ahead with it anyway, because we have to talk about the San Marino Grand Prix. It was a fantastic weekend start to finish so we're going to do this podcast episode just a little bit differently than what we usually do and that's obviously because we were at the circuit but we will still have a race review towards the end of the episode but yes so this week we're going to start with a little bit about how our weekend went and what we thought of the weekend because we were obviously there from Friday to Sunday so myself Anik and Carly are going to talk through what it's like to be at a Grand Prix so yeah, let's just jump straight into it. Myself and Anik had three-day weekend tickets. We were there from the Friday to the Sunday, like I mentioned, and we were in the grandstand at the start-finish straight. We paid crazy money to be there. They were the most expensive tickets without getting into the paddock or into the VIP village, and they were €325 Euros each, which obviously is a lot of money. But we thought, why not? Because Misano is just such a fantastic Grand Prix to go to. But, yeah. Give me your thoughts and opinions on the Anik. Did you realise that we'd spent that much money on the tickets? No, when you're just... Rip- I thought we paid 280 per ticket. Uh, yeah, in pounds. It was around 280 Oh, I completely missed that. Well, I do believe it was still worth the money. Mm. we did have great seats we sat like right at the start finish line so we we saw a bit of the podium um and opposite of the pit lane and we just could look right into the Aprilia garage and yeah we've basically seen Lorenzo Salvatore stand there in his red cap <laughs> for the entire day we've seen um, also in the, the KTM IO box, which was really mm-hmm. interesting to see Pedro and Augusto and Daniel Gado yawning mm-hmm. <laughs> in the, when it was still early in the morning. Um, I, I, I don't have words for this experience. We've been there last year and it was great, but this year it was so much better. There was so much to do. Uh, Dave introduced a fan zone for the first time this year in Misano, which was great. It was incredible to see the riders up close. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't understand their interviews as they were all in Italian with Italian riders. But at the same time, we were also able to go watch the football game in San Marino on Wednesday, which was also very, very interesting experience, I would say, to see MotoGP riders who Oh, let's be honest, most of them weren't the best football players, but it was very fun to see. Yeah, it was a, a good weekend start to finish. I think if we go back to, to Wednesday when we first got there, it was just by chance that we were flying in on the Wednesday and we got to see the football match. It was really good fun. It was free for everyone. So that was good. We got to meet some of the riders on, on the Wednesday. We met the likes of Fabio Di Antonio, Izan Guevara, it was just a really good experience and everyone was really happy to be there and it just seemed really lighthearted and good fun. And of course, it was being streamed to their social media websites as well, which meant that even the fans at home could 
watch it and i think that was a fantastic opportunity and something that we definitely need to see more of it was great for the people who could obviously be there but then fans at home could also get involved and there was great commentary and yeah it was something that we definitely need to see more of i think with the introduction of sprint races and the whole fan survey that's happened recently for something you know that's been so controversial to have something fun like the football match was i think really a big bonus and a big plus for moto gp and it probably brought people in and you know it's it's nice to see the riders outside of wearing helmets all day long where you don't really get to see them or you don't get to see their personality so i think it was a really good opportunity to sort of see the riders out of context and it, it was just a really nice experience overall on the on the wednesday so then we skip forward to Friday, obviously, and we're at the circuit and like oh, I, no. I have a very important question <laughs> on Wednesday, on the Wednesday day. This is directed to Raul Fernandez. If you ever listen to this podcast, I need a reply to this question. We've <laughs> <laughs> we've landed in Bologna pretty in the late afternoon, I would say. And we saw a couple of riders there at the airport we didn't want to bother them as it's their private time and stuff like that but some of them arrived pretty late and we're still at the football game before us and I still don't know how they did it like I need to have an answer was there a helicopter was there a police escort they were doing some James Bond things <laughs> it felt like it but yeah, so Raul Fernandez, if you can answer that question for us, that would be great. Yeah, like. please. I need to know. But yes, moving on to Friday then, um, like Alec mentioned, we had fantastic seats. It was worth every penny for the fact that we got to see so much. The big screen at the start-finish straight was actually viewable. We could see the screen this year, which is something that I had that was very negative, I thought, of last year's experience from where we were sitting. So that was good. We could actually hear the commentary a bit better this year. And like Alec mentioned, we could see into the pit lane, which I think was just a completely different experience. It's not something that I've experienced before. And I think it's the best way to sort of see what's going on without actually being in the paddock itself. So that was a fun experience because obviously we didn't have paddock passes. We just had the most basic um, access passes. So we got to see a different side of the race weekend, which is obviously something that we usually only see on screen. Then on Friday, it was announced at lunchtime that there was a fan zone. And I did not know that this was happening whatsoever. They hadn't mentioned anything on social media. Um, we'd heard the announcement for it. We went down to the fan zone on the Friday afternoon and we got to meet a lot of riders, which I thought was very good. Um, that was very well organized in the sense that they had lots of good merchandise stands. They had a really big stage. But... I think they could have done more to let fans know that it was happening. There should have been a wee bit more buzz around. I think a lot of people didn't know about it and a lot of people didn't actually know where it was. It was difficult to find, but once you were there, I think the facilities there were good, but more could have been done to let people know that this was an experience because it was free to everyone who had a ticket. So it's something that should have been publicized a wee bit more. And especially when you look at the likes of Silverstone, which made such a big deal about, you know, having the Day of Champions and having lots of people about. I think it's something that MotoGP could maybe work on to getting people there and it being more of a big, a bigger attraction, basically. Because you were at Silverstone, so you probably have a, a good yeah. opinion on <clears throat> how they yeah. organised that. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, that wasn't 
that many people there because I don't think they actually sold out all the di- the tickets for Day of Champions and they were like such like obviously you had to pay for them but it all goes towards a good cause because it's for um Jewels for Life which is the charity that um they support yeah but I think um yeah it definitely could have been advertised a bit more it yeah. was the one you went to definitely the problem was that they only announced it once in, yeah. once in Italian once in English but they they said like where it should be around which part of the track but most people didn't know how to get there so we asked a lot of stuff that was working there and um, most of them didn't speak English which is understandable you're still in Italy you're not in a traditionally english-speaking country but at the same time if you have an international event it would be nice to have stuff that speaks english or at least understands a bit of it and most of them were a bit clueless where it is as well so you ask the people that work there and they still don't know where they should send you to was yeah the organization could have been a bit better but i think that's something that will improve on with time yeah, um, with, like with Silverstone, they have like these people called race makers and they're like all volunteers and they, I think you can volunteer for like F1 and MotoGP um, and they like all have maps and like, um, they're, but they're like maps that tell you where like the food places are, where, what's going on around the track. Like if you buy the programs, which are, I don't, I think they're like 10, 15 pound, that also says like what's on the main stage and like, the main stage was right by the food bit so it was like if you went to get food or anything you'd like hear what was going on the main stage and they kept like saying what was going on throughout the day so maybe maybe something like that's needed a bit more at Mizano yeah I definitely think they had maps um not very big ones at that but I think if they'd even just put bigger maps up and even just on the map said that that's where the fan zone was then things could have been a lot easier if you just had a big picture of the map, you someone could have directed you over to it and just gone, yep, there's the map there. Everything you need is on that map. and Or even if they were handing out little maps of the track, something easy so that, you, you know, it doesn't matter what language you speak. If you're an international fan or a local fan, you would be able to find your way yeah, around. Like a map is easier. like, you don't have to put, you know what the sign is. For like yeah, it's universal. It's, yeah. yeah. I do think though, because obviously Silverstone has the F1 and it's like the biggest one of the, like the biggest event at Silverstone that happens. Yeah. That is a bit more prepared for the MotoGP and other events that come on because they do have the big boards already with the maps on. So maybe Mizano just need to learn a bit more from bigger circuit. Well, not bigger circuits, but other events. Definitely. The actual event itself of the fan zone, I thought was very good. Um you know, we got to meet lots of riders on the Friday and the Saturday. You know, they had a great lineup of Italian riders. We had, of course, Francesco Bagnaia, Luca Marini, Marco Bezzecchi, Frankie Morbidelli, Dennis Foggia. You know, that's only just some of the big names that were there. There were so many across the two days. So in that sense, for that to be part of your ticket price, I thought that was excellent. And it's something that should be at every GP possible. Because it was just so nice to see them and it was a chilled atmosphere, very similar to the football match on Wednesday night. And it's just a nice experience for fans, I think, just to remember, you know, that these people are human. They're normal people. And it's just nice to have our conversation with them and for them to get to meet some of the fans 
Um, yeah, it's just a nice thing to do for everyone. And I'm a big fan of it. And they should do it at yeah. every event possible. The only thing that, I mean, that's not on the event planners or the security, but I do think that people should learn to behave a bit better. There were a lot of fans, especially on Saturday in the fan zone, where the bigger names as Paco, Luca and Beth were on stage. And after that, they went a bit like, around at the front like around the front rows gave in uh, gave autographs and took pictures with fans and some people were just doing way too much pushing around and it got a bit uh, uncomfortable i would say at one point yeah definitely the that would be my only negative experience i think that the goods outweigh the negatives but if there is one thing which again i don't really know what the organizers could have done in that sense but it is something to sort of think about in the future when you have big names like that coming you know to sign autographs and take pictures you have to think about the fans in this situation there was young kids in the crowd we were standing at the front of the barrier and there was a lot of pushing from behind. Thankfully, nothing went wrong. It was just a bit uncomfortable. It wasn't very nice, but, at, you know, it didn't last very long sort of thing once, you know, people stopped pushing and shoving. It wasn't a bad experience. And sort of for the 10, 15 minutes, you know, there was pushing and shoving, which could have been solved. But what are you going to do in these situations? You know, there needs to be more measures in place, I think. But... Yeah, like I said, the the positives definitely outweighed the negatives, but it is something to think about in the future if you're gonna if you are gonna have big riders like that, you know, think of the people in the crowd. You can't have people, you know, pushing and shoving like that because, thankfully, there wasn't a serious injury, but you know, things could happen, and then it just ruins it for everyone. But in this situation, it was okay. Yeah. I can say it could have been yeah. worse, but it could have been a lot better. Okie dokie. And then on Sunday, race day, things got very busy on race day, especially in our stand, because of course we were at the start finish straight. But in saying that, it was fantastic atmosphere, in my personal opinion. Lots of people there, not very many empty seats. Although it was said that attendance wasn't very good this year, in our section it was definitely buzzing. There was good atmosphere for all three races. And yeah, it was just really, really nice to see. Everyone was quite pleasant in our area. And yeah, overall just good. I'm just so happy that yeah. we were there, to be honest. There's not much else I can say to describe the on-track action and the atmosphere. It was fantastic. If some people want or are thinking about going to Misano next year, I think the main grants. Is, what was the exact name? Central Grandstand? Uh, Central Portenza. Uh, Central Portenza is a great, great grandstand. Mm -hmm. it, the tickets might be pretty expensive. And if it's not in your budget, there are still other great, great places because there was also general admission tickets where people were set at the hills and you had a pretty good view there. But the experience that you have in the Central Portenza is great because even... Once you're just walking to the entry of the grandstand, you're passing the team entry. So you might see some people working there. You might see one or two riders just going into the paddock. Um, you're even passing the paddock entry 
-hmm. it's like right before you enter the grandstand you just shouldn't lurk uh, around there because you will get asked if you have a pass yeah you're not allowed to stand at the entrance of the paddock but uh yeah we did see a few people wandering around um without actually getting in in his on his scooter (laughs) yeah but i just think yeah if you have the money i would definitely suggest going to one of the the bigger central grandstands but like annex said general admission also looked fantastic there was lots of facilities around the circuits everything was pretty clean yeah bring your own toilet roll would be my only um... oh yeah 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 bring <laughs> toilet paper we never any some... toilet paper <laughs> But um, no, it's very good. They have segregated toilets, um, which were clean, like I mentioned. It was just an all-in-all great experience, in my opinion. I uh, want to go back already. Yeah, Valencia. Anyone? You're lucky the thunderstorms didn't come. Oh, well, probably we came to the UK. Oh, yeah. on Thursday it was bad, but thankfully we weren't at the track on Thursday, so it wasn't too bad. The weather was absolutely perfect the rest of the time. Also, the grandstand we were on was. It had a roof. Yeah, it's covered. So, yeah, we were also... You just got to make sure the wind good. is not going Yeah, it wasn't very windy. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it got a bit cold up there, actually, all things considered, uh-huh. considering it was 26 yeah, I don't degrees. Know, but... I don't know what it is. When I was at Silverstone as well, I guess it's yeah, chilly. And you're like, oh, cool. yeah, it's <laughs> I had a jumper with me on all three days, even though it was like 26 degrees. I was like, hmm, it just might be a Maybe bit chilly Maybe it's a bit shaded. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. But... I think that's everything. Overall, a very positive experience. Yeah. I mean, there's so many memories and moments and things that we saw that we could talk about, but it would just take us three days. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. But I would 100% recommend it. Stay in Mizano. You can walk to the circuit. There's a little uh, shuttle service to the circuit, which costs three euros. There's just, you know... It's so handy to get to. You can go to the beach, which I you did on go, Sunday. You can go on the little train. Yeah, like, yeah. you can, you know, because we went to the train to Bologna, you know. There's just so many things around that area, and it's fantastic. And obviously, it's in Italy, so the food was great too, which I think is oh, a yeah. massive bonus because there's so many good pizzas and pastas. So if you're ever looking for a Grand Prix to go to, I will always, always suggest Mizano. But like Alex said, we could talk about it for hours so we'll cut ourselves short and just say that it was a fantastic weekend. But it was also a fantastic weekend of racing, I should say. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with the Moto3. Yeah, we'll start with the Moto3 as usual. And this one went down very well in the Italian crowd. Dennis Foggia stunned everyone and took the win at his home, well, one of his home Grand Prix. The Italian yeah. Leopard rider just was unstoppable. No matter how hard everyone tried, he just came out on top on the day and started in seventh, but crossed the line in first place to take the top step. And he's closed the gap down in the championship. Yes. Is Dennis Foggia back in the championship? Mm, yes not yet I'd say. <laughs> yes 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 because we still have how many rounds like seven six six what am i gonna do all winter i know yeah. it's scary isn't it winter, it's like september and i'm like thinking oh my god like what am oh, i actually dear. gonna do i know it's scary to think but back on the fudgy i mean i couldn't have been happier with 
Yeah. How do we get one for him? <laughs> I already almost lost my voice after the Moto three race because I was just so excited. I do believe this was his best race of the season. He's he was just so strong, and even though he wasn't able to pull a gap once he was in the lead, he was so strong with his overtakes and how he started defending throughout the last laps. I was just stunned by his race, and it's been a great weekend for him. I mean, he was in front of his home crowd. His Moto Two sit with Ital Trans got announced. Then he just went and did such a great he had just such a great performance i'm more than happy about it and i think lauren knows that exactly yeah definitely a bit awkward to be an isan Guevara fan <laughs> in the middle of an italian crowd um i do have to give it to Foggia though it was an absolutely fantastic race he did not disappoint he's definitely closed down uh his gap in the championship but I do agree with Carly that I think it is just still a little bit far out of his reach at the minute yeah I mean he's only closed the gap to 30 something points yeah because Guevara's came third Mm. and Foggia came first so that's like Um, how many points do you get for 16 is it for third yeah yes and then it's um, nine points nine so he's closed it around by nine. I, I feel like if like Guevara had like crashed out or not scored any points, yeah, I feel like he definitely closed the gap then. And then you could say that he's it's only nine points. I feel like it's a couple more because Guevara's already so far ahead. Yeah, it's I hard mean, to close down these sorts of gaps when the other people in the championship are still putting in good performances. I think yeah. he would need to be lucky. And that Guevara and Sergio, for that matter, would need to have some more bad luck and some bad races, which will be interesting to see in the flyaways, obviously. But if we see a few more dominating performances like this in the next two rounds, I'd say, then yes, the championship fight is 100% on. I'd agree. I still think it's between the two Gas Gas boys. And it obviously is with how close it is at the top of the championship. The thing with Dennis is once he has found his confidence and he feels comfortable, he's just so, so good. But at the same time, it's not just on him. It's, as you mentioned, it depends on what Izan and um, Sergio are doing. And yeah, Sergio has shown that he's been struggling a bit. Yeah, this race. We'll get I on to him. Yeah. Oh, mm. sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I was just going to say we'll get on to him in a wee minute because I want to talk yeah. about the second place man, Jamie Messia. Where did this performance come from? I was not expecting it. Just, it. it just, I don't know. He's a Sunday man, clearly. Because yes. every Sunday, like from the start of the season, he's just been performing so well on a Sunday. Like in free practice, it doesn't come to him. In quality, it doesn't come to him. But then somehow starting... Where did he start? 11th. 11th on the grid. And then he comes all the way through the pack to second. And it was so convincing as well. And he was in fourth for quite a bit of the race. And I remember saying to Anik, don't count Messiah out. Messiah is coming for this win. <laughs> out of anyone in that pack of four that broke away, I was like, Messiah is going to send it hard. And I mean, he tried his best. Unfortunately, Foggia just had that little bit over him. But yeah, he's a Sunday man. It was. He's had, he's had some bad luck. In the, um, oh, you, uh, have you watched the interviews after the race? No, I haven't. No, because um, basically, uh, they were interviewing Messiah, and he goes, like, 
he says um oh yeah I was gonna have a go at Dennis like Bodger mm. but then he was like the other Dennis messed it up because obviously <laughs> Anshu was trying to get in front of him yeah. because like he has nothing to lose he's not in the championship battle yeah. he's like injured he like he has something wrong with his arm or something yeah he does yeah I'm not sure if that's from a, a crash yeah. maybe last race yeah I'm not sure um or something but he just he was just like win it or bin it yeah mode. Mm-hmm. but like he was so lucky to stay on that bike too mm-hmm. but Messia really wanted to get past Foggia but he just <laughs> he'd planned it all out and then on to decided that he was gonna overtake it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean that's what Dennis on choose there for he just likes running on just people's like, parades a little bit of spice on it yeah <laughs> he's been so good this season but finishing off the podium we have to talk about Izan Guevara who has taken the lead of the Moto3 championship finally he's been battling against his teammate and it's paid off he's finally in the lead I think he's nine points ahead as well which is quite convincing and if he keeps going the way he's going he's got this championship in the bag he looked so strong on Friday and on Saturday and I don't know how he does it but every round if you watch him in qualifying he's able to pull out stunning qualifying laps on his own he doesn't need slipstream and if you haven't noticed it, look at it in the next race. Because I I noticed it so much more actually at, at the track. Because you see them all slipstreaming with each other and trying to ride with each other in big packs. And then you see them all messing around and, you know, getting in each other's way. And then you just see Izan riding around on his own. But he's at the top of the timesheets. And you're like, how are you doing that? And it's just so impressive. But I, I honestly thought he could have won it on Sunday. But... I think the better man did win in Dennis Foggia, but to still put it on the podium. Also, it needs to be mentioned, Dennis Foggia is the first Moto3 rider to have three consecutive wins on the same circuit. Yeah. So that's Maybe that's because he's been in Moto3 for a... <laughs> <laughs> Stop ruining for... No, like, it's only last year and this year, because last year there were two races. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... I was gonna say something about Guevara. Yeah, because that's who matters at this point. <laughs> oh, forgotten. And it was a really good point as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Last year when like everyone was screaming at their TVs like about Moto Three because everyone in Quali was being so stupid. Got it Guevara was that one who was shouting at and he must have heard us because he <laughs> he's now decided to do the thing that we we've been showing it all the motor free riders to do just to do the laps by yourself yeah. and clearly our knowledge is very good because <laughs> you know, he mostly has been getting really good laps the only time the only reason he wasn't on pole was because he'd set his last like he'd taken the checkered flag and then Before, all the riders yeah. had just gone past the checkered flag so kind of unlucky on his part but but at the same time, he's so much more impressive. I don't want to like slag anyone else off because that's definitely not yeah. what I'm trying to do. But when you see, when you actually watch him and only him, you will notice the talent that he has to be able to go out and do that because a lot of riders only get fast laps because of slipstreaming. And you can see the difference in, in a fast rider and someone who's just caught the slipstream and got lucky. Because Guevara is up there consistently every weekend in qualifying. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you the last time he was outside of the top 10. 
Someone can prove me wrong with that statistic, but I'm running <laughs> It was probably with a it. couple of weeks ago, but yeah, I can't probably. remember because our brains are so mushed up with all the MotoGP info and Moto2, and it's just like... <laughs> I'm going with it, though. I'm a big Isandabara <laughs> fan. I love to see him win in the championship, and I hope he moves up to Moto2, and yeah. I genuinely think weekend. he will, he's, yeah. because he's grown so much from last yeah. year. Like, Garcia was fast straight out of the blocks, and this yeah. year it hasn't really quite gone to plan for him because I feel like the competition from Guevara is just a bit too much for him. Yeah, I think everyone sort of thought that like, Garcia was just going to have it in the bag because yeah, of everything he was just going to run away with the championship. Yeah, but Guevara has done a lot of growing up and maturing over that winter break and proved it in the first half of the season and now in the second half yeah. he's able just to be consistent and he knows what it takes now to win Yeah, it. I feel like he has, like as you said, he's matured so much yeah. like since Kota. Yeah. Like it's, it's like a change, a change boy. I should say he's like he's only just eighteen. Like, but you wouldn't think it because he has matured. Last year, if you told me he'd be fighting for the championship, I would have laughed at you because of his immaturity shown at Kota. But this year, he's just been whatever he's done. He's just like yeah, flown. Well, and then in fourth place, we have Dennis Onchu, who was <gasps> so stunning pole position oh it was fantastic and i don't know how he did it this is what i mean when i'm i don't want to slag riders off who get slipstreams and work in a pack because that also takes talent and i think onshu is just absolutely fantastic and would you believe that he still hasn't won a moto 3 race still (laughs) every time i'm like onshu's gonna win this and then somehow it just it's just (laughs) out of his grasp and i'm like come on he is so so close and He's another one that I think has grown up a lot. I say this in every podcast episode recently because I do believe it. And I know sometimes he is questionable and he makes some moves that he shouldn't. And he probably should be penalised sometimes for the moves that he makes. But overall, I think he's really matured. And I I just want him to take that first win because I think once he starts winning, he won't stop. Yeah. Maybe I've called it early. <laughs> I'm like still kind of confused why he didn't get moved up into the full factory K two three team. Yeah. yeah. But maybe that might happen um next year, maybe if Messia moves up to Moto Two. Do you know actually we had this conversation recently? If Augusto Fernandez gets to move up to Moto GP, which Red Bull KTM rider would you put on the Moto Two bike? And I had a conversation I think with a few people. I think it would be Messia just because of his age because he's like older than 20 that's the conversation that we had and then someone threw on name in the mix and i went do you know what actually that could be a really good i i think that would be the best option to move on to but i think they would play it safe and pick messiah yeah because on is still in the tech three major three team yeah but it was just an interesting one because I wouldn't have thought of it, but now that I've thought about it... I'm I like, still think mm. that if Augusto does move up into Moto GP, it would be the stupidest move of his life. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, the seat <laughs> that no, it's the seat that no one wants. Like, it used to be um, Aprilia, like, when Joe Roberts was like, no, yeah. I'm not taking that seat. Yeah. Joe Roberts should have taken that seat. I know, <laughs> I know. Now. Definitely. Speaking like... of Red Bull KTM, we have to move on to the fifth place man, Danny Holgado. I think this is his highest finish. Is it? Uh, yeah, I yes. think he. 
I think he's highest finish before this is like a sixth or an something something lower than a fifth. Yeah. <laughs> he continues to impress me no matter what. We speak about him a lot in this podcast, but I think he's really growing into this seat. He's young. He's got a few years left in this class, I think, before he should move up. So I think he's progressing at the right speed. Now that we've seen him for 13 rounds of racing, I think we can sort of really see his true potential. He qualified in second. He was in the front group for a lot of the race. He fell back slightly towards the end. But I think a fifth place finish is good. And I think he is going in the right direction. He can clearly put in fast laps. He can race for, you know, 70 for oh my god I cannot speak he can race for like 75% of the race at top speed and battle and he's just missing that tiny little bit which I think will come with more experience you know he hasn't even had a full season in the class yet he's definitely on the upwards trajectory this is a really early prediction for me but um I do think next year he will be in the championship battle just because that's how it seems to work in moto three like take Guevara for example one year second year fighting for the championship and like last year Guevara was still consistent but he just wasn't getting on the podium as much as this year also we will see a couple of Moto3 riders move up I mean Dennis Foggia is already confirmed yeah there will probably be at least one Osper seat for uh, free so there's gonna be um, or isn't if uh Ayumi stays with the um, Max Racing team. There'll oh, be another yeah. seat free there because obviously he won't be able to one. ride unless yeah. he rides. Mm-hmm. Unless he mo- he'll be moving up to Moto2 or maybe going to World Superbike or something. Definitely. Moto3 is consistently the most exciting class, but we're not going to talk too much about it this weekend. We're going to go down the list a little bit. Is there anyone else? Anyone feels I think um, Morera really impressed me again. He's so fast yeah. straight away in the race he just needs to like halfway through the race he seems to drop back a bit yeah but he was so fast definitely as we've seen in other races another one now that i'm actually just looking at the results ortola made up 18 yeah. places in the race when i was I making this post that. i was like mm-hmm. 18 am yeah. i am i counting this <laughs> he was very very impressive i mean a good race until we get down to our dear friend Scott Ogden, we have to talk about it. Both Vision Track boys had a disappointing weekend. I don't think it was due to any fault of their own, mind you. We'll start with Josh Watley in 24th. He actually had a crash on the siding lap, coincidentally. Um, and his mechanics were able to fix his bike before the start of the race, and he was able to race. I'm sure that was a bit awkward to have a crash before the race even starts, oh. you know, and then having to get your bike fixed. It, it, I would say it throws you off quite a lot, but... When I saw... we We've only seen him going into the gravel and crash there, so I was a bit skeptical. I thought, what is what are you doing? What's going wrong here? And um, then he posted the crash itself. And he was really lucky to even make the start because he had a big high side, which he was somehow able to save and then run into the gravel and just fell over. So it wasn't that big of an impact. But it was a really, really weird crash to have, to be honest. And I do have to say that there was not much he could have done differently than that. Yeah. 
he was it was like it was lucky while being unlucky yeah that's what i mean like he was able to pull it off very well and to make the start of the race was very good so there's not much else i can say about it it, it was disappointing in the fact that he's still slightly off the pace and he's you know struggling a little bit to get up there into higher groups but for this race weekend you know starting the race with a crash isn't good but to get back on and to be battling with the likes of Carrasco etc it was good for him then we had Scott Ogden and like I mentioned he had qualified 22nd but I just I don't know what it is he was definitely on the pace but when it came to setting a fast lap he just couldn't do it at the correct time. And unfortunately, he couldn't get through to Q2 this weekend. But he definitely had pace to be there. It's just unfortunate. And it just doesn't seem to click at the right time for him. The problem was the team sent him out in a very... They had a very weird timing for the last five minutes to release him at that it wasn't, point out of the box. It uh, wasn't was... as bad as the last few races. No, they but actually released him uh, at the same time as the likes of Fodgy and stuff, so I thought this weekend would have been better for him. It was it's still not the perfect timing. I think they're getting there. The team is also still new, so hopefully in the last race... You should hire can... Annick to tell you when <laughs> to send Scott. Do you just hear this, there. Taylor McKenzie? Are you I'll listening? just sit there with my stopwatch and I'm like, Scott, Go. Now's, now's the time. There's too many mind games in Moodle 3, that's the problem. But yeah. Ogden had a rough start to the race as well. Uh his bike started falling apart. Which... I don't I don't I think he put on his um let me just check this because I don't want to be wrong. He did say exactly what happened and I didn't go check. But you know what happened to Ayumi Sasaki at the start of the season? I think the same thing happened to Scott Ogden. Yeah. Where bits of his like fairings started coming off. Yeah, the fairing bracket broke. Yeah. So the mm. whole base, like the side of the bike was coming Body, up. It's like yeah. that. What MotoGP race was it where it was like Bastianini's or Marini's whole yeah. side, their bike just flings off and you yeah. can see the whole engine. Basically, it does sort that of just, part of the bike was hanging off. It does sort of just, I say pop together. It's just... definitely not <laughs> yeah. the right mechanical term for it. Then someone's going to shout it at me. It just but... pops. <laughs> yeah, you just pop it back into place. But he yeah. had to make a You, pit you stop. don't use any screws or anything. No, or bolts, no, no. So... no. Nah, you just pop it. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is why I'm not a mechanic. But anyway, he had to make a pit stop during the race, which obviously you don't see very often. Um, the team sent him back out and he did finish the race, albeit one lap behind everyone. He looked like he had good pace on his own. It must have been very, I was going to say soul-destroying. That might be a bit harsh to put it that way. But you know when you've had a problem like that, you know you're not going to catch up to the back of the grid. But I'm sure he got good data and it was good for him to get out and get those laps under his belt. And I think that will help him in races to come. He's had a really bad run of luck this season and it's it's disappointing to see. But by it's no fault of Scott whatsoever. You know, there's no denying his talent. He's a very, very good rider. And I think his luck will change in the near future so everyone can see how much talent he actually has and brings to this class. Then we had some crashes. So, of course, we had local rider Andrea Mino. Slightly disappointing from him. We had Aji, Carlos Tatai, Ayumi Sasaki, Carraro and Sergio Garcia. Now, Sergio Garcia had the weirdest race ever. 
into the first corner, Adrian Fernandez decided he was still playing football and kicked the front of Garcia's bike, meaning that both of them ran off wide um, into like the runoff area. And they actually had to be investigated to make sure that they actually uh, gave up enough time because they just took a massive shortcut in this bit, but it was deemed okay. Then he crashed, he got back on, he pitted, came back out, and then was in a group of riders, which he continued to race, even though he was behind them and should have let them all pass. This then meant that he got black flagged and was forced to retire from the race. He actually um got disqualified from the race. Yeah. <laughs> well what done, Garcia. <laughs> what the hell? And it was a stupid decision like, just to start. From bad to worse. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah, literally. But like, just I, digest what I've just said there. Like, like, he wasn't even having the best time because he started 13th in yeah, quality. <laughs> he did not go well after that. No. And here's the thing I always say about Sergio Garcia. I always say, and you can go back and listen to other podcast episodes, I always say he makes the best out of a bad situation. This did not happen this weekend. He made the worst out of a bad situation. When was the last time we seen a black flag and someone have to be disqualified from the race because he was racing when he was a lap behind everyone else? Like, what are Just... you doing? <laughs> no, no thoughts. Just vibes. This <laughs> is going through his head. He was just uh, like, "I'm racing and I'm gonna race these people, even though I'm a whole two laps or three laps maybe now behind them." Yeah, I just okay, yeah. Garcia, you do you. Yeah. But no, he's throwing away the lead of the championship to Guevara. Like, what? It just wasn't. He just wasn't in his mind. No. He was just somewhere else. <laughs> just vibing. Straight vibing. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's everything for the Moto3 race. It was a bit crazy mm-hmm. and chaotic. But again... Should we move on to Moto2? Yeah, I think we should. Again, a good race, though, I should say. But uh, all three races were were good races. Yeah. Even though some people say, "Oh, but there's bits that nothing happened in," but they're racing. They can't be fighting all the time. Otherwise, they yeah. would just crash. And then there'd be no one winning. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would be even sad. And then people would still complain because then no one would be winning. <laughs> no one would be winning the races. Exactly. But yeah, we'll move on to Moodle two. Take it away, Carly. Who won the race? <laughs> Alonso, <laughs> woohoo! He finally got his first win, guys. We say finally, as if he's only had like seven this. races or something. Yeah, Moto Two. He came. I was waiting for this though, since Silverstone. Yeah. Since that, mm. he led literally nearly every lap of Silverstone GP. I've been waiting. Oh, it was fantastic. He dominated. I mean, he was very fast all weekend, but come race day, he was serious business. He was just incredible. And I hate races where this happens, where someone just takes the lead and dominates until it becomes Alonso Lopez winning his first Moto2 race. And then I love it because it was just stunning. It was a masterclass. Like, what a way to prove to everyone that you deserve to be here. I mean, the story that he has, and it just puts everyone to rest. And you go, yeah, talk about me now, about this seat and how I don't deserve it. Like, he didn't even have a ride. At the start oh. of this year, he was literally. I am one of his. I'm guessing it was one of his friends. He reposted their story on Instagram, and it was like sofa to P1 because he was literally sat on his sofa at the start of the year, basically yeah. doing nothing Incredible. because he didn't have a ride. No one wanted him, 
And then Luca Boscoscuro said, like, there was so- probably something in Fanati's contract that said mm. if he didn't perform, he'd be kicked out. Fanati got kicked out. Kind of a weird move. Yeah. But then Lopez definitely deserves the ride. I don't know why they just didn't give him the ride at the start of the year, really. It doesn't yeah. really make sense to me. But it was just an incredible race because he had to keep that gap though because that gap was literally going up and down, up and down. I was like, please don't go down. (laughs) Please don't go down. You could see it when watching it at the track as well. It's always so difficult to sort of know how much is between the riders, but it was at some point you're like, oh, it's getting a bit close now. (laughs) It's getting closer. It was just incredible. He celebrated by smashing the front windscreen. Is it a windscreen? <laughs> I feel like if it's a windscreen, it should have a windscreen. What do you call that? Can you the, the screen? Just yeah. the screen? He smashed the it to pieces during his celebration because he I was saw just so that. happy. It was, they, um, most GP made a TikTok of it and yeah. it was just like, he smashes it like three times yeah. as well and the whole thing just shatters. Um, but it was out of pure joy. So that yeah. was good. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure they don't mind paying for a new one no. since he's uh, won his first Moto2 race. Can we just put this one into perspective? It's Boscos Guru's first win in Moto2 since Fabio Quattararo's only win for them in 2018. That is ridiculous. And seeing as there's only the two rights uh, of Lopez and Aldeguer on the Boscos Guru chassis, I think, them, I think there could be a few more. Scoscuro mm. chassis, oh, chassis, <laughs> definitely chassis coming. I because like they're all Calix at the moment. There mm. is no. It would be nice to have like half Boscoscuro and half Calix, and yeah. I know there's still Envy, but Envy Augusta aren't doing that well this no. this go yeah. around. Very very chuffed for this then, result. In second, Anik mm. will be very happy. We had Aaron Cannett. He finally made his return to the podium. Yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting for that win. And I can't say I'm disappointed in this performance. Everyone is waiting for that win. Everyone wants to know the bow tie story. If you don't yeah. want to know the bow tie story, are you even watching Moto? Are you living under a rock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not disappointed in this performance whatsoever, so I don't want anyone to take it this way, but I do really want to see him winning a race. But in fairness to him, he's had a really rough run of it this season so far with injuries, the nosebleeds. It's just been horrible. But to be back on the podium is a very good performance from him. And he looked dominant and strong. And if Lopez had made any mistakes, Cannot was there. Like, 100%. He looked really strong. And it just so happened that Lopez was putting in, you know, just that slightly stronger performance this weekend. But this has to be a good confidence boost for Kana. And I think heading into some fun rounds in the flyaway races, I think he has a really solid chance of winning a race. We said it at the start of the season and I still do believe it. And I I do see him as a race winner this season. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't. Yeah, it was a good race for him. I think a big problem was... Albert Arenas just being stuck there and he 
like people did take a very long time to overtake him but at the same time arenas wasn't going to pace with alonso so he should have just moved out of the way <laughs> so on Garnett, and even before viadi crashed he also had good pace they could have tried to hunt down alonso i mean i was happy for his win but at the same time i was hoping for an Aaron Garnett win i think it's definitely a good um podium though because he has been having a very oh he needed it though it's part of the season yeah yeah he did need a podium especially for his if he wants to stay in the championship fight because augura and obviously fernandez are so strong vietti he does usually have to pace to win a race but at the same time he's just throwing it into the gravel way too often so that's yeah if he if Aaron Gunnett wants still wants to win the championship he needs to get at least one win and I'm waiting I was hoping and hoping and hoping that he would get his first mother to win in Misano so I could witness it live but yeah at the end it didn't happen um I don't see him winning the championship this season I have still not given up. I think he's. I will never give up because of the the injuries he's had. Yeah, but at that's the same time, made. He's, he's lost a lot of points by not winning races, and that's yeah. the problem. Because the rest of them who are in championship contention, they have their couple of race wins, which still makes a difference in points I do think day. anything can happen though because at the start yeah. of the season Fernandez wasn't even in contention for this championship mm-hmm. like Vietti was the favorite and Vietti was having really high high and then suddenly dropped back down to like square one yeah <laughs> Vietti and Kana are actually on similar points I think there's a point between them now I think yeah. it's 41 and 42 away from the lead now but, yeah, I think it would be a tough ask for him to get back up there at the top of the championship. But, like Alex said, you never know what's going on. But we'll move on to the third-place man, which is Augusto Fernandez, And he takes back the lead of the championship, doesn't he? Yes. 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 Agura it's, had it last week. I think by one point or something like that. Um... I think it's like two... It was one point before this weekend. Yeah, but in favour of... It doubled. No, (laughs) it was one point in favour of Ogura. And because they finished behind each other, it's now one point in favour of Augusto, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't think he had the pace this weekend. He had a very good race. He started in ninth and flew up the order he just looked stronger and stronger as the race went on i think if he'd qualified better he would have had a great chance of winning the race considering how many places he had to make up but yeah he's gonna need to pull a wee bit more out of the bag if he wants to be Iogur convincingly but he did finish ahead of him this weekend so that is a bonus he's taken back the lead of the championship there's not many bad things you can say about this weekend for augusto fernandez I think is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. I think his qualifying wasn't great other than that. Yeah, it was yeah. good. He, he made good. This is what I say about Sergio Garcia. He made good of a bad weekend. You know, he could have won the race, but he didn't qualify well and he finished on the podium still. You know, he made good of not the best situation, but yes. 
Um, we'll move on to fourth place man, which I think deserves a mention. Albert Arenas, who is out of a gas gas seat next year, as far as we're concerned. And he's putting in really solid performances all of a sudden. He looked a shoe in for the podium, even for the race win. But on the day, you know, Lopez, Cana and Fernandez were just faster than him. But this is the strongest he's looked in the last two years of being in Moto2 by far. Yeah. yeah. I think the problem is he's doing well, but he's not doing fantastic. And even though Jake has his very low lows, his higher, his yeah. highs are higher. So he sticks out more and there is more to extract from Jake's performance, maybe. Yes. I think he's been a lot more consistent with his four podiums. But Arenas. He's like had quite a few crashes. I know Jake has as well, but he's like been consistently in the top ten, I'd say. Whereas Arenas has normally only scored a couple points, like tenth or lower. Yeah, definitely. This was a good one though, and I think fourth is good for him. And I think he'll take a lot of confidence from this. And I think he could finish the season on quite a high if he keeps going the same way. Yeah, seeing as he's. He also had a really good qualifying, mm. being in on the front row in second. Yeah, definitely. We need to mention then Ayogura, who qualified eighth. Quiet weekend for him. I'm not going to lie. Didn't see much of him, but he's still keeping the gap close to Augusto Fernandez. This is a, a two-man battle at the minute anyway, and if the two of them keep going the way they're going, it's going to be very interesting to see who comes out on top. So... As much as it was quiet, I think it was still a solid performance. And the main thing is, is that Augusto is still in his sights and he hasn't let him run too far away from him. Yes. I just thought that I got all of my stats wrong that I just mentioned about them finishing behind each other and just being a point apart. Well, but, they were a point apart before this weekend. Yeah, but not anymore then. Yeah, because Augusto was third, which is 16, and then then, which is 11. Yeah, yeah, 11. So it's like five or four. So it's quadrupled because it's only on one point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. I might have. If there was someone that I always think about in terms of late race pace it's Ayogura so I was a bit surprised that it didn't finish higher but at the same time fifth is a very good result for him I think when you see the people who were ahead of him and the pace yeah. that they were riding at there's not much else that could be expected he, he wasn't as fast and the four that finished ahead deserved to be there and in, in that sense and oh yeah, yeah. definitely mm. it's that's just Ogura is also now one of these people which I rate so highly that if they're not finishing on the podium, I'm a bit disappointed. That's rough for Ogura. Did you hear that? <laughs> Got to finish on the podium now for the rest of the races of the season. <laughs> no, it's just... Oh, he's never happy when he finishes on the podium anyway. Yeah. He's <laughs> first. Everyone but always he says doesn't he... smile. Everyone says that he doesn't smile. I seen him on Sunday and can confirm that he smiled after the race. I seen him when I was walking back up from the beach. And Maybe he was smiling. Just when he does his interviews, he's yeah. just like when he's he does when on. he comes second and third, he's like <laughs> This wasn't what I wanted. Um, but I can't confirm he does smile outside of the paddock anyway. So there you go, folks. Ayagura can smile. 
when he's not winning races, contrary to popular belief. When he's at the beach. Yes, which I'd be smiling too in that sense, which I was, so it was all good. <laughs> then we had Pedro Acosta, who I think always needs a mention, considering he broke his femur just two months ago. Finishing sixth. I mean, he finished fourth in Austria two weeks ago. Finishing sixth this weekend. This man is just, this boy, I should say, is just incredible. He's like the bionic man now. He's like a, similar to Mark Marquez. I just don't know how riders do it. He's just incredible. he had a really good um, race, seeing yeah. as he also qualified badly in 13th, mm. seven places. When did it rain for Colo? For Mochi too? A little bit, yeah. It was, it was uh, a bit weird damp conditions. on the track. Yeah, yeah. very weird Maybe conditions. that's why everyone's qualies kind of got thrown off. Definitely. But yeah, that was a fantastic performance from him. Then we're going to move on to the DNS, which I think need to be mentioned because... Half the grid crashed out. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, we were watching... Everyone was race. dropping like stones, like one yeah. person would go and then the next lap, another person would go. Yeah, we were watching the race and it was like, okay, they've crashed and now they've crashed and now this person's crashed. And it was like, there's not going to be anyone left to finish this race, <laughs> this trip, but... It worried me for the MotoGP, mind you, because so many people were crashing, but all was well. Anyway, 31 people started the race and only 17 people finished the race. So you can do the maths on that one. We had crashes from Navarro, Salach, Agius, Dalaporta, Corsi, Banden Gerberg, Antonelli, Aldeguer, Piscini, Kelly, Kubu. Gonzalez and the two biggest ones in my opinion were Jake Dixon who had a massive high side in the first lap of the race no fault of his own there was no way he was going to save it he just seemed to be struggling all weekend he had a crash in qualifying which left him 18th and then on the first lap of the race he just dumped it down the road and there was not much he could do he looked quite injured after it though but he is apparently okay after I don't even think he had to go to the medical center, but he is okay. And then the biggest crash, Celestino Vietti crashed out for the second. I was week literally live tweeting this. I was literally like, "Oh my god, what's just happened? Like Vietti's just crashed out of his home GP. Oh, what a special, special livery." <laughs> It was heartbreaking. Imagine being an Italian crowd when an Italian falls off and the person that they wanted to win the race as well. It was heartbreaking. It was so sad. The bike was gorgeous. It was beautifully designed in a nice special. It wasn't so gorgeous after it was thrown in the the gravel. gravel. No. He he did get back on and try and race it, but then retired um, later on. But is this his championship gone? No. He's 41 points behind the leader. I still have hope. Like, there are still six more races. Yeah. And if Vietti can go from winning races to crashing the bike, so can Fernandez, so can yeah, Agoura. Exactly. It's just a bad run of luck recently, I think. And, you know, if we're saying the likes of Foggia can still win the championship and he's 30 odd points behind, you know, Peko Bangaya is still in a chance to win the championship and he was at 91 points behind and now he's at 30 points behind. You know, anything can happen. And I, as much as I think it will be very difficult for him, I think there still is a chance. And I know I've just said that. There's I think always that... a chance. Yeah, but I know I've just a said that. A minuscule one. I've just said that Aaron Cannot doesn't have a chance and he's only one point behind him. But I think the difference with, 
Vieri. Well, then Canet still has a chance. <laughs> yeah, but he needs to win races. And that's the thing that Vieri has over Canet is that he has race wins. And that's more important in the situation. You know, I think you have to win. Just a shout out as well to Pasini, who mm. obviously has a world card with Gas Gas. He was doing so well. He qualified sixth. He was running about sixth or fifth. And it just slid from underneath him. It was literally identical crash to Vietti's, really. Yeah, it was a fantastic weekend for him. You know, he'd been so strong. He was fast yeah, in front of his home of the, crowd as well. Yeah, fastest in some of the free practice sessions, or up there, I should say, in some of the free practice sessions. He was just fantastic all weekend. And it was really disappointing because I think he could have been up well inside the top 10, top five. You know, podium shot could have also been on. It's just, yeah, wild to me. But this race was just a bit crazy all in all i think because of you know multiple crashes it was safe to say that if you stayed on you were gonna have a good race <laughs> because everyone was just crashing out very similar to america this year everyone just seemed to be crashing out but yeah i think it was good time for the premier class then this race did not disappoint Mizano is obviously known for having some exciting races, especially when you look back at last year when Pecco Bagnaia crashed out and Fabio Quattararo took the championship. I mean, Mizano is just a great place to be. And it was just, I mean, there was so much excitement over the race this weekend. And Pecco Bagnaia redeemed himself in the perfect way. He had a stunning race. And I know I slag Peko Bangai off a lot and I just say he doesn't have what it takes, etc. etc. But I only say that because I rate him highly, like I say about all riders. You know, I think he's a fantastic rider. I think he's very, very talented. And I think he should, he proved himself this weekend. It's been something that we've been asking him for, for a bit of consistency to prove his mental strength, to show us that he has what it takes to win this championship. And I think he did it perfectly on Sunday afternoon as literally everyone has said when Peku starts winning he wins consistently yeah. like but see the thing is though the opposite of that is that when he's not winning mm. he's not even on the podium sometimes yeah. which is where he needs to be more consistent he needs to be consistently on the podium yeah he's brought down the championship from 91 points to just 30 He's overtaken Alicia Spiagru for the second spot. He's now behind Fabio Cattararo, who is still in the lead. I mean, he is in with every chance possible. I can't even believe I'm saying it, to be honest, but you're 100% right. Peko's issue is that when he's not winning, he's either crashing out or not finishing high on the points, and he's proved that this season. If he can consistently win races for the rest of the season, which is a high, high possibility, he will win this championship. But now is the important part of the season. Will we see the same thing that happened last year? We're in the exact same position of it's close enough now that he has a chance. But can he hold on and can he do it? I'm so intrigued to find out. He looks strong. He is the first ever Ducati rider to take four race wins in a row. Can you believe that? I mean, Casey Stoner was just yeah. incredible in his day, but... Yeah. For no one else to have done it. I mean, Dovi as well. But, you know, he's now made history for Ducati. He's on a roll. He's so good when he wins. He's unstoppable when he wins. You know, no one can beat him. No one has an answer for him. Only Second himself. Place, um, 
yeah well that's the thing there's a little graphic actually on i don't know if you've seen it or not and it was like who will stop pickle bangaya and anik and i looked at each other and we both went himself <laughs> because his own biggest enemy is himself and yeah i think this this is the very interesting part of the season now i think we're in a similar spot to where we were you know around this time last yeah. season with about but see the thing that's different from last year is that they've got flyaways this year and yeah. some of the riders haven't been to like japan and australia mm. australia sorry <laughs> for a couple of years now so yeah. we don't really know what to expect the only track that they've really been to is valencia and, and that's the last one. Oh, and aragon yeah, yeah of course that's next and then yeah. we've got the flyaways yeah this will be interesting though most aragon. of the tracks are ducati tracks as yeah. well like japan australia that's going to be very interesting. Well, Aragon's interesting as well because obviously we had one of the great races last year with Mark Marquez and Peko Bangaya and Peko obviously taking the win there. It'll be very interesting to see if he can make it five in a row now. Yeah. I still really want the Peko and Fabio battle. Yes. We actually haven't seen that because no. the Ducati is, when it's a Ducati track, the Ducati is so strong there that Fabio can't get anywhere near it. So... We need a track that suits the Ducati and the Yamaha equally yeah. so that we can finally have the Peko Fabio battle that everyone is just waiting for. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, it is a battle between the two of them, but they haven't actually battled at any point on track together. It's been It's wild. like the battle of points, but yeah. no battling on track. Exactly. I'm so excited to see the two of them battle each other because I think it would be absolutely fantastic, but we'll have to wait for another round because it didn't happen in Mizano, but <laughs> Aragon maybe? You never know. And in second, we have Bastianini. Oh, nice. It was this. such a great race because oh. Bastianini on the last lap he nearly took first place, but it just didn't work out for him. He made a bit of a mistake, and then he wasn't close enough to do it on like the last corner. Yeah. It was just tragic. He had every intention of fully sending it. Unfortunately, he went a wee bit. He hot did send and... it. Yeah, well, he went nearly into the wrong place, yeah. <laughs> right into the back of Pekka. We managed to save it, mind you, but he, oh, he was so close. And to think that these two are going to be teammates next year. Yeah. I saw someone said to me that it's like um, Lorenzo and Rossi, I think Ooh. it was. Like, because obviously yeah. they're in the same team and they were fighting for the yeah. championship. So it's going to be very interesting next well, year. Because Pekka has been sliding Bastianini mm. off mm-hmm. a bit, saying, oh no, like, it's going to be so different because he's obviously going to have to test all these bike parts, like, properly because mm. it's a factory bike. But it's yeah. like, everyone's had to do that like Fabio had to do it when he moved from Patronus to full factory like what's the difference yeah it's just it's a big one because both have sort of made somewhat snarky comments about each other Pecco obviously saying you know like he'll have to learn his place Bashanini you know obviously being like well I'm coming to be the number one rider he wants to win championships he hasn't already said it but he might as well have said it you know we both know the intentions of both riders and I think for both riders to be so competitive and both of them to be at the top of their game, it's going to make things so spicy. But will they, you know, will they battle with each other? Will they take each other out? Will we see what happened with Andrea Davizioso and um, Ianone? Like, it'll be really, 
really interesting like this could just open the door for for fabio or Alish next year you know we could see them just win the championship clearly because the two of them are taking each other out or so that's what i was thinking like yeah. someone like ridiculous could win the championship exactly but Bashanini on a beautiful special livery bike just did a fantastic weekend and i think this really shows and proves that he deserved that factory Ducati seat you know this performance yeah. was a great performance from him and I think a hundred percent that he was the right pick for Ducati to make two Italian riders on a beautiful red Italian bike I mean it's written in the stars it was definitely definitely meant to be and then we had third place man who I honestly thought was in with such a good shot of winning the race with this weekend and he said it himself and that's a big thing. Maverick Vinales finished up the podium in third place. He was just fantastic this weekend. I didn't think this would be the Aprilia up there, but I'm not mad about it. He's been putting in Go some really good performances. I thought he would be up there. His free practice was just um like so much stronger than Alicia's. I just think Alicia's gone like he's had such a high yeah. couple of races and it's gone down a bit maybe the bike just needs a bit more work on as well because yeah. obviously the Aprilia has only been good for this season exactly and a bit like half of last season exactly. it's still going to need some improvements at some tracks and it's going to be as fast etc yeah definitely I just I think coming into the weekend I thought Alish had a chance of, of winning it um I, I thought Maverick would be up there but I just I, I thought he would be behind Alish in saying that I did think that both of them were going to be up at the, the top end of things. But yeah, Maverick was really good. He was unstoppable for a lot of the race. And, you know, he was very, very strong. In fourth place then, a big special mention to Luca Marini, one of the, <laughs> the early riders to finish in the VR46 special livery, or not to crash, I should say, in the special VR46 livery this weekend. I'm so disappointed he's missed out on the podium again. But that's he was two, so close as well. Two fourth place finishes in a row for Luca, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He he's going to be on the podium at, before the end of this season. Like he has I to be. If he was just that tiny bit more faster, he would be consistently on the podium, and yeah. he'd definitely have a chance at the championship maybe next year. Or- yeah. I think he's going the right way though like I think he's such a slow burner and we always talk about this and I think it's finally paying off for him now we're finally starting to see those results he's one of the most consistent Mm -hmm. riders on the grid and he's consistently been getting better and better and better and better I mean he qualified in seventh and finished in fourth that's good like that's very very good so you know what can be said about that then in fifth place Fabio Quattararo, a bit of a damage control weekend, to be honest. Like I mentioned, Peko Bagnaia is now second in the championship. He's 30 points behind. This makes things a lot more difficult for Fabio. You know, he had that lead at the start of the season and it's slowly but surely coming down. And I don't really know what else Fabio can do to stop this. He season. is working his socks off He's here. He's, he's given it 110%. Oh. And- the bike just needs like two percent more of anything. Hundred percent more <laughs> top speed, to be honest. I just it just needs like it feels like you could do one more thing to the bike. Yeah. And it would just 
be that little extra bit that Fabio needs because he does just need a tiny bit more because he's he is putting his heart and soul into that bike. This is the thing. Like, you know for a fact that he is... Like, if we're talking about dedication, you know he is putting everything into it. And, you know, he's won the championship last year. He's proved to everyone he is there to win championships. And it's just... It's soul-destroying to watch the bike just not be perfect. I think, yeah, it needs tweaked ever so slightly. And if they can fix their problems for next season... I think fantastic. The thing and is, if, if he can hold bike on is for perfect. this season, it's just the Ducati is even more better well, I don't than think the Yamaha. The Yamaha. <laughs> Fabio was a pretty perfect rider, but you yeah. know, he's doing everything yeah. to extract. Actually, yeah, what he can from the Yamaha. They just need top speed. Top speed would answer a lot of their problems. Well, hopefully next year, because Fabio has asked and they have said, we'll top try. Speed is coming. Yeah. So fingers crossed. We we still see. And it then, will be interesting to see if he can hold on for the rest of this season. I think that's the the big one now. Will we see the Peco and Fabio battle that we've all been waiting for? I bloody hope so. That'll be then in sixth we had Alish, who had a pretty good race. Yeah, he 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 looked like he was fa- catching Fabio at a point in the race and then the gap went back down and then it went up again and see watching it in the crowd I was like oh it was like I could hear the shark like Jaws music playing I thought Alicia was gonna catch him because that was a big one obviously because Alicia was second in the championship and now third in the championship only 33 points behind Fabio you know he's not out of it yet and that's two people that Fabio needs to worry about and it's like who do you put your time and effort into defending do you you try and stop Peko, do you try and stop Alish? It's very difficult to try and stop two people. So Alish did a good job to finish sixth. I think he definitely struggled. He qualified in ninth. It it looked like a difficult weekend for him. So I think to finish just behind Fabio, as much as it is disappointing in the sense that he's lost a place in the championship, it was still not the worst thing that could have happened to him this weekend. Yes. And then Let's move on to the crash. Yeah, he did actually really well this weekend. Came 12th, he was the top Yamaha. Obviously, in his last. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wait, the second best Yamaha. That's what I meant. (laughs) Like the top Yamaha behind Fabio, obviously. Um, Obviously, he was his last race, his last ever MotoGP race, which is. It was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking. Everyone was chanting uh, Dove around the circuit. It was so nice. I wanted to cry. This man has just been... I always remember Dove being there, you know, watching it for years now. Dove has always been a name and always been a rider that I've been a fan of for as long as I can remember. Yeah. He's just absolutely fantastic and he created some of the best battles that will go down in history with Marc Marquez, like the two of them in the 2019 season. Oh, unbelievable i just think he's absolutely fantastic i can't believe he never won a moto gp world championship like he is just so talented and i'm so annoyed that the end of his career didn't go the way that it should have went and i think i did him wrong and yeah i do think you did him wrong but i yeah. think he also made the wrong mistake by yeah. choosing to go with yamaha yeah he should have either he got I mean, no one can... by aprilia though because yeah. they signed maverick for <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, the flash is yeah. yeah. Oh. I wish it could so have ended sad. on a high. I wish it could have ended. I on do a think high. he should have not accepted the Yamaha contract though. Because I mean Patronus weren't exactly doing amazing with that bike anyway. So yeah. when it got changed to RNF, I don't think it was really gonna go the way he wanted it to anyway. Yeah. Like it was on it's not on a factory bike. So but, but yeah, we'll miss what him. happened happened, yeah. and he's now left. Obviously, he's he's testing out the, I think it's the Alpine Stars helmet. Yes. So he's still on a MotoGP bike. Yeah, today, the retirement didn't last Tuesday long. <laughs> and Wednesday. Yeah, he had a big retirement party on Sunday night, and then he's already back on the bike. So it's the shortest retirement ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is testing a few things, so it is still nice to see him about and we will see him about i'm sure he'll keep testing things and he'll he'll be very present in the paddock i i do imagine but very sad to see his very long career come to an end but i think it i think it's right he obviously wanted yeah. to do it on his terms and to finish in Mizano, obviously instead of the, the end of the season you know it's nice that he got to end it the way that he wanted to albeit not on the best bike but at his home race and that was very nice and mm-hmm. i think a lot of people will miss him a lot but, yeah. Yes. Let's move on to the crashes then. So there were actually a few crashes, but some people did rejoin the race. Mm-hmm. So Miller crashed. Um, Bezeki also crashed, but they Bezeki finished in seventeenth, and Miller finished in eighteenth. Yep. Which, seeing as Miller started in pole, was quite a shame for him. It was annoying. Yeah. And Bezeki started third as well, but it just wasn't their day. Um, we also had a crash on the first lap, which involved Polis Bargro, uh, Piro and Zarco. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, all okay. a wild one though, because Zarco, I don't know if you've seen the replay of his start. It yeah. just, he dropped like a stone and then I need to watch it closer again. But yeah, it just completely wiped out Piro and Espargo. And there's not much that anyone could have done in that situation. Brad Binder's bike hit Zarko's ever so slightly and it just sent Zarko away. And then he took out the other two riders with him, which was quite annoying, obviously, for everyone involved, you know, going into the first corner of the race. But I think they're all okay, as far as I'm aware. I mean, Zarko and and Paul were testing today. So, you know, hopefully everyone is all good, but very annoying end to your race. Yeah. Also, um, Morbidelli also didn't finish. And um, he's such having quite a good, um, like race weekend. Mm. Up until that point, he was he qualified in eleventh, which I would say is pretty good for him. Like he's been qualifying a lot lower than that recently. Yeah, and I mean he had Rins and Martin behind him, who had also shown a lot of pace this weekend. He he, do you know the only problem with him though? In this crash, he took out Fabio Di Antonio, but then Di Antonio was able to rejoin the race, and he finished in twentieth place, which is annoying, you know, to ruin someone else's race. But he was able to get some laps in and still finish at the end of the day. So I suppose that's good. But still feel good. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I think we've forgotten to mention though, that I can't even believe that I've forgotten about was. Uh, Peko Bagnaia's three-place grid penalty oh, yeah. for um, 
blocking the racing line on Friday in free yeah. practice. He, he thought the checkered flag had gone, but it hadn't. The checkered flag hadn't been waved. But he thought it had. Yeah, I don't I know, know what. Maybe he was just imagining it. In yeah. his head. And Alex Marquez was obviously still on a fast lap. Yep. Trying to set a time attack because they thought it was going to rain. They thought it was going to rain on Saturday. Yeah. So they wanted to be. And he was tr- trying to set a time attack lap. And Pekka was obviously in the middle of the track, literally dawdling. He was, yeah. <laughs> That's the only way I can think of it. He was going so slowly. Yeah. On a live track, it was really dangerous. It, but, but the thing is, is like he sat up, so he had been going yeah. fast, and then Alex Marquez was behind him, and then wasn't expecting him because he sort of sat up and slowed right down, and then Alex Marquez was so close to his back tire, it was. Crazy. It was the fact he was also on the racing line as well. Yeah, I think that's the most scary part because he hadn't moved out of the way because obviously he thought the checkered flag had been waved. Definitely. So a well-deserved penalty in that case. Can't believe I forgot about it because yeah. I remember being so annoyed. About he did it on put Friday. his hands up and say, "Yeah, oh, sorry. Like I didn't realize that. I I thought it, the free practice was over, and he accepted his penalty, which As he should fair have. enough. Yeah, hundred percent." Um, I think the only thing that we should mention is, of course, that Johan Mir was not racing this weekend and. Suzuki replaced him with Japanese rider Watanabe. But yeah, I think that is everything for this week's race review. Slightly delusional because I had been traveling for 14 hours yesterday to get home. But what a weekend. Mizano never disappoints. I'm so happy I went back for another weekend. Bit pricey, but like I said, I think it's all worth it in the end, you know, for the action that we got and, you know, the fan zone and everything. And Mizano is just a beautiful, beautiful part of Italy. So I definitely would recommend for anyone wanting to go. But but yes, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow us, we are at The Siding Lap on all social media platforms. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Once again, thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys very, very soon.